This is the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from August 28th by Brother Todd Burgess titled Matthew 5, verse 10. Good morning again, and have your Bibles. You know we're in Matthew 5, and so, uh, and we'll be in the 10th verse today. And like we've done, I like to just reiterate what we've been doing, what we've been going through. And we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going through the Beatitudes, and we've talked about seven Beatitudes at this point. And the first three deal with our spiritual poverty, whereas if we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us, his humility, his sorrow in us for our sin, we, and his, his meekness, then folks, we're going to miss all that God has for us. Because yes, we, we, can, we can have humility, and we can be sorry for our sin, and we, we can have some meekness in our own strength, but folks, unless it's in God's strength, we are doing it in our own power, and our own abilities. And that's not what Jesus is talking about here to, this, to his disciples. He's talking about allowing the Holy Spirit of God in us to work his work in and through our lives, to work out his humility that allows the Holy Spirit to be glorified and God to be glorified, to allow the Holy Spirit to sit there and say, that thought you have was wrong and you need to repent of that thought. And we, many times we think, well, it's no big deal. It is a big deal to the Holy Spirit of God. To God's righteousness, it is a big deal. To have the meekness that, that we're able to draw people toward God, even though these people may, may be at odds with us, we're still going to do what God wants us to do. We have that, that spiritual poverty. We recognize there's, not nothing, there's nothing I can do. It's only what God does through me that's important. And that's what we've looked at, those first three Beatitudes there. Now, the next three Beatitudes deal with our spiritual passion. You know, if, if, if the first three are driven by the Holy Spirit, the next three will be revealed as proof that those first three are workings of God in us and not our own ability. Because our spiritual passion should be a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Otherwise, we can't get enough of God's word, especially when it speaks against what we're doing. Because then we have to repent of what we're doing. Because what we're doing is wrong. And so we have to understand this. And see, as a church, as Christians, so often it's not sins of commission, those sins that we commit on a daily basis, that are, are the big issues in our lives. The big issues in our lives are the sins of omissions. The sins when God says, I need you to do this. The Holy Spirit leads you to prompt you over here and you don't do that. Those are sins of omission. And they are just as grave in a Christian's life as the sins of commission. Sins that we, you know, lying, cheating, all those things that we all we know those are wrong things. But also not obeying the Spirit of God in us are wrong, are sinful things. And so our passion is that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Our passion is having God's own mercy 
that when someone wrongs us and they, are, and they are absolutely wrong, we give them mercy that they don't deserve, just like Christ gave us mercy we don't deserve, but he died on a cross for us. We have God's own mercy, not our mercy, which we hand out to those we think are worthy. Big difference. And part of our spiritual passion is purifying our hearts. Folks, we can't purify our hearts. No matter how hard we try, we're going to come up short. But the Holy Spirit of God in us can. And he'll bring us to realizations of just, of just how far he can show us about purifying our hearts to where we want more to accomplish what God wants for us, not what we want to do for God. And See, there's a big difference there. So many in Christian life and Christians in their lives today are what I can do for God. Folks, that is wrong. It's not what I can do for God. It's what God wants me and wants to do through me. His power, his strength, everything through me, he wants to do it, which means we have to depend upon him. Because most times we can't do what God wants to do through us. We have, to, we have to rest in him. And see, that's our spiritual passion. You know what? If those six things are taking place in a child of God's life, do you think Satan's going to stand idly by and say, oh, well, look at that great Christian, just go. Man, you go, guy. No, he's not going to do that. He is going to get involved in trying to stop you as a child of God. He's going to do that. Because... Because the outcome of having the spiritual poverty and having the spiritual passion is that perseverance, that spiritual perseverance. And the first beatitude we looked at was being a peacemaker. Folks, it takes a lot of perseverance on a person's part to be able to bring people that are at odds with each other together. Because to realize, first of all, people are at odds with each other, it means they're probably at odds with God. And that's the role of a peacemaker. Yes, we recognize we've got to bring these two together, but more importantly, we've got to restore their relationship to God. We've got to do what we've got to do in the Word of God to live out that example, that life, to be that light, to be that salt, so that they can be drawn back to God and then they'll be drawn back to each other. Folks, being a peacemaker is very, very tough. And it wears people down. Good Christians down. And that's why we have to realize we can't do it in our own strength, in our own power. It has to be done in the power of God. Using that spiritual poverty and spiritual passion. And he'll give us that perseverance. And this leads us to that 10th verse. And again, the 10th verse, like all the other ones, started with this word blessed. Blessed. We are blessed. And it refers to what? Someone who is in favor with God. How are you in favor with God? By those first seven beatitudes existing in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. That's someone who's blessed by God. They are living the Spirit-filled life. They are not worried about what's going, what they're, what's going on in their lives because they see it from God's perspective. They realize this has to take place because it's God's plan and I'm, I'm all for it, even though it's going to cost me, even though it may, I may suffer for it. 
See, that's a person that's blessed of God. And so in verse 10, it said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, persecuted simply is someone is pursuing after and wanting to prosecute, wanting to harm, wanting to do, bring ill intent towards you. Now, before we get into this, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we just come before you, Father. And Lord, I know this is a message that for Christians today in America may be hard to understand. Although things that have been happening these last couple of years, we begin to see some of this persecution take place. Lord, help us to understand that this is a natural result if we're following you. This will take place in our lives. And if it's not, then we need to ask ourselves some very serious questions. And so, Lord, I pray that we would come face to face with you this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, Today, I believe there are a lot of Christians that do not understand what it means to be a biblical Christian. To be a biblical Christian. See, to be a biblical Christian means that persecution is going to be a regular part of your life. I don't care where you live. So that's the first question I have, you have to ask yourselves. Am I being a biblical Christian? Do I really know what that means? Well, I hope by the end of this message you'll understand. See, this persecution is the result of living a life that exemplifies Christ. This persecution is not because of some sin, because of wrong decisions that we make and we're suffering for our own mistakes. It's not what it's about. Not at all. Because it says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And so it's for righteousness' sake that we're persecuted. See, Jesus taught us in, in Scripture through John 15, 20, He taught us that to be spirit-filled Christians, we will be persecuted. This, this passage says, Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they've kept my saying, they will also keep yours. You know what that's saying? That if you're living a God-fearing life, you are, you are under the spiritual poverty of Christ, and you have that passion for Christ, and you're being that peacemaker, which means you're presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ to reconcile people, whether they're Christians, to one another and back to God, or the lost to God. If you're doing that, persecution is going to take place in your life. And those people are either going to accept the message that you bring or they're going to reject it. And if they reject it, guess what? They're going to retaliate against you. And folks, we can see that taking place today. And so Jesus is instructing his disciples on what they can expect to take place in their lives. Do you expect persecution in your life? Or do you try to avoid persecution in your life? 2 Timothy 3.12 says, and again, this right here is the result of living a godly life. 
a spirit-filled life. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus, that means a spirit-filled life, shall suffer persecution, period. That's a promise of God, folks. See, these are promises that we should expect to take place in our lives if we are living out a Christ-like life. See, that's the caveat right there. If we're living out this type of life. In Philippians 1.29, persecution is seen as a privilege to suffer for Christ. See, I think sometimes as, as a church, we don't, rec- we don't we haven't been taught this. We haven't been shown these things. And it says in Philippians, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. What's being taught today? Oh, just believe that Jesus Christ, uh, on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved, right? Wrong. That's not salvation. Saying the sinner's prayer is not, does not lead someone to salvation, folks. Saying the sinner's prayer and believing in your heart, genuine belief, brings about a true salvation, which is seen in one's obedience to the commands of God. There has to be obedience to the commands of God for there to be real salvation. And then if there's obedience to the commands of God, it's going to produce what? Persecution. Or people coming to Christ. You're going to plant seeds, water seeds, and some bring some harvests, but it's also going to result in persecution in people's lives. See, the question is, are we willing to go down this path for the cause of Christ? Or do we try to avoid this path? So we have to understand that that persecution, folks, it is a blessing from God. Isn't that what it says? Blessed are they which are persecuted. Persecution in a Christian's life is a blessing from God. We need to see it as something that praise the Lord and not, oh, I I must be doing something. I need to avoid this. I must be doing something wrong. No, it is a blessing from God. And we need to understand this. Yet too often, we deny God his glory. Folks, I want you to, we deny God his glory too often by not being willing to suffer or proclaim the persecution in our lives to God's glory. 1 Peter 4, 16 and 17 says, Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? See, folks, if we want to bring praise and glory to God in this church, 
It should be about our suffering for him. We want to glorify God. We want to testify for God in the church. Testify about your suffering for Christ. And I have to be the first to admit, if I had to suffer, testify my suffering for Christ, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to find an opportunity. Well, Lord, when did I suffer last? I'd be hard-pressed. So I'm preaching too much to me as I am to you folks. Suffering's a part of a Christian's life. See, there's three reasons why we should want this in our lives. Why we should want persecution in our lives. Three reasons. First, we should want persecution in our lives because it is only through persecutions, now listen to this, that we grow in our walk with Christ. That is true. Romans 5, 3 to 5 says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation works patience. See, what we're seeing here is spiritual growth. It works patience, patience, experience, experience, hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Now, folks, let me tell you something. When people say, well, you're a Christian, well, you do this, or... And you, and you kind of shy away because you're ashamed a little bit. Why are you ashamed? Because you haven't worked out the patience of God, the experience of God, and the hope of God in your life. Because if you had, you wouldn't be ashamed of the cause of Christ, of being a Christian. And it says, Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts for the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. See, what I look at is tribulation. It's, it's the icing on the cake, folks. Persecution in a Christian's life is the icing on the cake. And yes, we can have the cake and, eat, and the icing and eat too. We can have it all. God wants to give it all to us. But we have to be willing. See, this is where true maturity in Christ takes place in a Christian's life. We can read all the scriptures and we can memorize all the scriptures and those are good things. But until we to step out in our actions, living out by our actions and by our words, the word of God, persecution is not going to come. See, persecution is the truth that you are living a, a life for Christ. See, Peter and John, when they were beaten and told, don't preach in the name of Jesus. What they do? They went back to the church in Acts 5 and, hey, this is what happened. Praise God, we were found worthy. They went back and told the church, and the church praised God. See, we are to glorify in persecution. Again, for righteousness' sake, not for our own faults and our own bad decisions and our own ridicules that we bring out there and people ridicule, come back against us. No, for the cause of Christ. See, one can't grow into this level of maturity in Christ unless suffering and persecution has been present. Now, the second reason we should want persecution is because we are salt and we are light in this world. And we'll hit those verses here in three or four weeks. You're the salt of the earth, Matthew 5.13. 
But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the feet of men. So the question is, how can you tell if salt has lost its savor? You just, well, I don't know. You know, why not find out? You got you to open sore, take some salt, put it on there and rub it in really good. You will know real quick, this salt is good salt or this salt is not very good salt. That is the way we are to be in this world when it comes to being witnesses to those around us. They are going to be very uncomfortable and not want to be around a real Christian. Or they're going to, be, they're going to repent and realize that they're sinners and come to Christ. You see, it's so important that we understand this. See, in other words, and this is where I step my own toes sometimes as I look back in my life. But if you're in the company of those not living a godly life, whether they're Christians or lost people, it makes no difference. And they feel comfortable around you. And they're doing the things the world does. You've lost your salt. You've lost your savor. Your light has been very dim. It's not shining bright. See, it's oh me, amen or oh me, one of the two out there. See, when light is shown on those in darkness, they shrink from the light because it hurts. That should be the effect of a man and woman of God when confronting the sin of this world. The third reason we should want persecution is that godly love for each other is genuinely expressed. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3-4 says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity or love of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Now, why do you think it has abounded so much? Because of persecution. Because of persecution. That's why God's love has abounded in their life. So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. See, persecution bonds Christians together in God's love. Want to know why? Because when a church, when Christians are being persecuted for the cause of Christ, they don't care what color the carpet is. They don't care about the things of this world that have caused problems in churches in the past. Because persecution draws people back to the real issue of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it does. And all these other peripheral issues are, are now non-issues. Because what's important is Jesus. Jesus. 
That's what's important. Jesus is important. And many times, those in the church that have just given lip service to God, when persecution comes, many of those people have left. Or they have repented and got their life right with God. Now, and then the Bible says here, and, and this, there, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Here's the reward for those that are persecuted. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now let me read on in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 3, beginning verse 5, which is manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. How are you kind of worthy? Through persecutions. For which ye also suffer. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation of them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. See, those that are enduring persecution in this world are going to be counted worthy in God's kingdom because of their witness. God's going to punish those who don't repent, whether they're Christians or lost. There's going to be punishment. Those that are not Christians and go through this life rejecting Christ will face them at the great white throne judgment and be cast into the lake of fire. Those who are Christians and just never really lived for Christ, um, they may have known a lot of things, and, but they go before the bema seat of Christ and it's all wood, hay, and stubble, and it's all burned up, and they get there basically by the skin of their teeth. See, there, are, there is punishment. Paul even said that if, you do, if, you, if, if, that if you, your salt has gone so bad, you just throw it out under feet of men and it's trampled, and God says, you're no more of earthly good to me down here. I'm, I'm going to bring you home. Paul talked about it. Some of the Corinthians believers the Lord just brought them home. They weren't any more good for them. You see, we have to understand that God, then those who have been faithful, God's going to give them rest. He'll give them rest. See, persecution brings purity to the church because it drives out all those that were not really committed to the cause of Christ but it will unite those who are committed into an unbreakable bond of love. See, what happened? The world thinks that when you, that when you start to persecute, it breaks people up. It divides people. Oh, it's them. And everyone starts pointing fingers. Everybody, you know, just get, get the, stuff, the persecution off them. But for a Christian, it draws us together. It draws us together. It brings the church back to the real purpose of why we're a church. That we're to be witnesses and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. You know what? Persecution has a prize. Persecution has a prize. It's seen in 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perishes, otherwise the persecution is... It's not good to the physical body sometimes. 
Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our, I like what he said, our light affliction. And I think for most Christians in America, light affliction is really, really light affliction. Although it is getting worse. And it's going to continue to get worse if you understand the times that we're in. It's which, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and internal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now here's the truth. The Christian who views persecution as something that's costing them something, well, it cost me my job. It cost me some finance. It cost me this. It cost me that. It... Their focus is on the temporal. The temporal things. It's their focus on the things of this world. Not on the things of God. And so you have to understand that this reward for persecution for Christians is not for everyone. Because as I already said, there's going to be some Christians that, yeah, just it's more comfortable just to be a little bit over here. And you're going to miss those rewards. And a lot of things you think you've done for Christ may very well be wood, hay, and stubble and get burned up. But I'm going to tell you, there's a fine line between with Jesus, I never knew you, and those that were Christians but didn't do anything. There's a real fine line there, and I, I hope you understand what side you're on. But that word, this reward is not for everyone. Romans 8, 14 to 17 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs, of God and joint heirs of Christ. Now, isn't that great? You like that? I do. But the very next word there is if. All those things I just read about are true if. So be that we suffer for or with him. That way may also be glorified together. If. If. The child of God is led by the Spirit of God and has received the Spirit of adoption. If we suffer with Christ. See, according to a believer's faithfulness, not by what they may say, and what they may do for God. Their faithfulness is based on how faithful we act under the Holy Spirit's direction. How faithful are we to do what the Spirit of God is leading us to do? Sins of omission. That's where so many Christians fail. Oh, we're good at not doing that sin and that sin and that sin. It's sins of omission. Not being obedient to what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do. Many 
Christians will enter heaven, but with little, if any, reward. Because they've never suffered for the cause of Christ. 2 Timothy 2.12, Paul's telling Timothy, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, we, he, will, he will deny us. Now, I believe that may very well be talking about rewards in heaven, because he's talking to Timothy, who's a Christian. Maybe talking about losing rewards in heaven. See, Paul is telling, talking to Timothy about endurance. Finish the race. 1 Peter 2, 19 20. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endureth grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when he's buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently? You know, your own sins, your own wrong decisions. Yeah, take, you should take those patiently because you deserve them. Just like I deserve them. But for righteousness sake, you don't deserve it. But because you're a Christian, the world is coming against you because Christ's culture is going against Satan's culture. And Satan doesn't like that. And the persecution is going to come. Then, that's when you take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. See, folks, suffering, persecution is not because of sin we have committed. There's no reward there. But suffering for God's glory takes place when we are being salt and light. And it brings reward. Now next week, when we look at verses 11 and 12, we're going to find out A lot of the people in America aren't going through verse 10 persecution yet, but I think those days will come. But I think what, you, what we have seen these last two years is verses 11 and 12 in our, in, our, in our lives. Revile and reproach is going to come. And the point of these messages is simply this. As a Christian... If there's not Christian suffering going on, persecution going on in your life, then you're not being the salt and the light that Jesus wants you to be. And as we've seen through the Beatitudes, simply humble ourselves. Sorrow over our sin. Be meek. And get that passion back in our lives as a Christian. It's never too late, folks, until you see Jesus. Get it back. He's waiting. He's right where you left him. He's right where you left him. Let's stand and pray. Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, visit our website at gbcak.org.